Welcome to Navi Tales. I'm Josh. I am Nick. And today we are tackling Left 4 Dead. I know we left Spooky Month, but we're going to just revisit it real quick. <laughs> real quick. Real quick. Uh, we're going to revisit Spooks Month. Spooksville. Uh, which I'm cool with because I have been wanting to do this franchise for a while. It's not even the full franchise. This is one of the games that I like remember diving into the lore on because it was very Valve's way of doing lore, which I always like. We'll talk about it. But um, yeah, uh, have a play. Um, no, but I've seen a lot of it. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I specifically played Left 4 Dead. I just remember high school. That's what Left 4 Dead reminds me of. High school. <laughs> high school. It's like we would switch between Halo Three and Left 4 Dead. So, yeah. Uh, the first game begins in Pennsylvania, following an outbreak of the so-called green flu, a highly contagious virus whose symptoms include significantly increased aggression and the loss of many higher brain functions within its victim. We'll talk more about green flu later, though. Two weeks after the start of the epidemic, four immune individuals who survived the outbreak, Zoe, Francis, Lewis, and Bill, make their way through the city of Fairfield, only to discover that the virus is creating new and even more dangerous mutations. After narrowly avoiding these new infected along with hordes of others, the survivors are alerted to the presence of an evacuation point at the nearby Mercy Hospital by a passing news helicopter. Fighting their way through the city's streets, subways, and sewers, the survivors are rescued from the hospital's roof by the pilot only to discover that he has succumbed to the infection. With the youngest of the group, Zoe, forced to kill the pilot, the helicopter crash lands in an industrial district outside of the city, finding a delivery truck that has been armored by other survivors, the group decides to use it to make their way to the town of Riverside. Before arriving in the town, however, they find the road blocked and are forced to travel the rest of the way on foot. Following an encounter with an infected madman in the local church, they discover that the town is overrun and decide to head to a nearby boathouse for possible rescue. Contacting a small fishing vessel owned by a married couple, they are thrown offboard in the city of Newburgh, on the other side of the river, only to find much of it in flames. And they're literally thrown off board. They're kicked off the ship. Good. Um, the characters in this are fucking amazing. I, we're we're going to get into it, but I suspect it had something to do with Francis. Seeking cover in a large greenhouse, their rest is interrupted when a military plane passes overhead, leading the survivors to travel through the city's business district towards Metro International Airport. Upon arrival, the group is shocked to see that, in an attempt to contain the infection, the military has bombed the airport. The runway, however, is largely intact, allowing the survivors to fuel up and escape in the waiting C-130. Despite this apparent rescue, the survivors once again find themselves alone on the outskirts of Algenie National Forest. Following a series of train tracks through the area, the group finds themselves at a functioning but abandoned military outpost. After answering a radio transmission, the survivors make a stand in a farmhouse against hordes of infected, before a military APC arrives to transport them to Northeast Safe Zone, supposedly the only location in the area yet to be overrun. Okay, so just so you guys know, this is where the comics come in. The comics take place after this point. Because the that is all the campaigns in the first game, I believe. Like, we've run through them all. So, uh the comic kind of picks up at this point. And then uh, the end of the comic is actually the DLC for Left 4 Dead 2, which is a thing. Left 4 Dead 2 only had one DLC, I believe. 
and it added all the maps from Left 4 Dead 1, all the characters from Left 4 Dead 1, and the the uh, sacrifice as the uh, DLC, which crosses over between the survivors from 2 and 1. Like, the survivors from 1 help the ones from 2. Yeah, Pretty yeah. neat. Afterwards, instead of being taken to the Echo Safe Zone, the survivors are taken to a military base at Millhaven with orders to capture and test Tango Mikes, as the military refers to them. They are informed that they are carriers of the virus, and while showing no physical symptoms, they can still infect others. An alarm is sounded by a rebellious lieutenant, and the survivors are guided to a train by helpful military staff. Their newfound friends are unfortunately left for dead, as the eldest survivor, Bill, refuses to compromise his fellow survivors by letting them on board. What? You said the thing? What did I say? <laughs> Left for dead. <laughs> oh, I said the thing. <laughs> the train then stops in Rayford, Georgia, a city located not far from Atlanta. Their disputes put aside for now, the group begins looking for a sailboat to take them to the Florida Keys, where they believe there will be no infected. Their journey brings them to a sailboat blocked off by a lift bridge. The survivors work to get the bridge lifted so they can wait for the horde to go away, then get down and hijack the boat. However, the generators lifting the bridge stop halfway to the top. Bill then decides to risk his life to save the other survivors and get them out safely. He jumps off the bridge and makes his way back to the generator and restarts it. But before he can make his way back, he's attacked by three tanks and mortally wounded. Then he ends up in Dead by Daylight. Uh, Dead by Daylight for Steam has Bill as a playable character, as a survivor. The trailer for it, for Bill's release, show because, like, amongst, like, this community, this fandom, uh, like, Bill's death is iconic in how it looks, because he's leaning up against the generator with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, and he's just bleeding. And, like, it's the, the trailer for his release in Dead by Daylight, it's showing that scene of him leaning against the trailer of the generator with, like, the cigarette hanging out of his mouth and everything's going dark, and suddenly a light flickers on and Bill wakes up. He literally died and ended it, because, like, that's what happens. You end up in Dead by Daylight when you die in the real world. Right. So, like, he literally died and left for dead and ended up in Dead by Daylight. Damn, he doesn't get a break. He was, he's a Vietnam War veteran. No, he doesn't. Bill's a fucking badass, though. Bill is, like, my favorite character in any... It's not my favorite character in any Valve game. I have to say Father Grigori from Half-Life 2 is my favorite character in every, in every Valve game. Bill is a very close second. Father Grigori is a mad priest in Ravenholm, which got taken over by aliens, and he keeps running around shooting everything with shotguns, saying how he tends to his flock. Let me tell you, I <laughs> fucking love Father Father Grigori. We'll get to him. Um, but anyway, yeah, Bill ends up in Dead by Daylight. Weird shit. To make sure his sacrifice wasn't in vain. The three remaining survivors set sail for the Florida Keys, but only after helping four other survivors, which they help out by lowering the bridge to let them on their way to New Orleans. Now we can go over the survivors from the first game because they all have distinct backgrounds and personalities. Uh, they are Zoe, Francis, Lewis, and Bill. Zoe was once a student at Eldridge College in Philadelphia under a scholarship to become a filmmaker, but instead of attending classes, 
She spent her time watching horror films and justified this to her upset mother as doing some research. Same. <laughs> Same. Same. Can relate. She got her love for this film genre from her father. Same. Who, uh, who introduced her to movies featuring zombies, slasher murderers, and extraterrestrials at a young age. Her father, Wade, wished for her to become a police officer like him, uh, often taking her to shooting ranges to get her into some practice. These actions caused tension between her divorced parents one night and started a heated argument between the two regarding their daughter's future. Uh, one thing I want to talk about real quick is they explain why the survivors like Zoe and Lewis are like know how to shoot guns, which I appreciate. Like Francis, it makes sense. He's Hell's Angel. Bill, ex-Vietnam War veteran. He remembers how to shoot his gun. Right, right. But like with Lewis, who's like, a, we'll get to him, but he's like an accountant. And Zoe, who's like a film student, like they explain it by saying like, oh, like Zoe goes with her father. Like Lewis has his thing. Like, they know how to shoot guns because of their lives. So it's not just like, oh, no, we're thrown into this situation. Suddenly, master shots. <laughs> Suddenly, I can hit everything. Yeah, so it, I, I've always liked that they kind of explain that a little bit. Yeah. Is, it, is it realistic? Not really. But it, does it make sense? Yeah. It would make sense within the world we're given. The argument was short-lived, however, when an infected suddenly found his way into their living room and attacked Zoe's mother. Her father was able to kill the infected, but not before it savaged Zoe's mother. Holding her in his arms, Wade commanded Zoe to call for an ambulance. Zoe came back to witness her father being mauled by her mother, who then noticed her daughter's presence and quickly lunged at her. Fortunately, before she could reach Zoe, Wade shot her in the back of the head. His last request was for Zoe to kill him before he became an infected. She then reached for her father's gun, and after a heartbreaking, I love you, Dad, she pulled the trigger. Weeks later, Zoe was shocked to discover that her father may have been a carrier and the mercy, mercy killing could have been in vain. We'll get to that when we talk about Green Flu. So next we have Francis. Francis attempted to steal a flat screen TV two days after the first infection. When he is caught, his claim that he is a cop gathering evidence for a crime is not taken seriously. Real quick, every time Francis interacts with anyone in the game, like anyone that isn't the survivors his first thing is i'm a cop <laughs> <laughs> he always calls himself a cop first francis is you would you would think someone like lewis or even zoe would be comedic relief because francis is like this big buff biker francis is funny as fuck dude francis is the funniest thing that's great i'm glad that like subverting yes yeah, break stereotypes a bit yeah, like, Francis is the goofball. And hilarious. He later goes to a bar, boasting to his friends about why he is going to jail. When one of his friends reveals to him that Pennsylvania jails do not allow con uh, conjugal visits, Francis's presumed girlfriend, Sandra, then says, better not waste any more time, and grabs Francis's arm and pulls him to the bar's back room. Francis and Sandra begin kissing in the back room when she gets sick on his vest. He almost leaves, but she convinces him to stay and then promptly bites him. She is about to attack him when Francis's paranoid friend Duke shoots her. Realizing that this is no ordinary flu and that most people cannot be considered human anymore, Francis realizes the possibilities of the lawlessness the outbreak has brought and has Duke and Danny lug a jukebox to the roof 
where he grabs a shotgun to begin picking off infected one by one with Duke and Danny and a few other barmates. It is unknown what had happened to his friends, but it is most probable that he either left them or they weren't immune or carriers and succumbed to the flu at one point of time before Francis had joined the group. In the sacrifice, Francis admits to Joey that he finds his old friends more fun to be with during the apocalypse, but would not have lasted two weeks if he hadn't met the group. Before the infection, Lewis was working as a junior systems analyst at Franklin Brothers in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's you, right? That's what you do? No. Yeah, he... I don't know. It sounded... Cool. <laughs> like It sounded like you were important. Yeah, I am important. Never you, never you forget. What, what, what is your official job title? We're going to talk about our official job titles real quick. What's temp. Yours? Your temp what? Temp. Want to know what mine is? What? Dispatch. I do so much more than just dispatching. I, uh... W- uh so a couple people, like, kind of dressed up for Halloween. But, but, and mostly it was just, like, the couple, like, the uh, girls did, like, makeup and had, like, crazy fucking headpieces. Uh, but nobody really wore, like, a costume. Like, one person kind of, like, wore, like, a, like, kind of, like, a Dracula-type thing, but not really. So, anyways, so somebody was like, Nick, where's your costume? And I was like, I'm wearing it. And I, I'm just wearing normal work clothes. And they go, oh, what are you dressed up as? I go, I'm a temp. <laughs> It was fucking great. Um, real quick, one of my coworkers, uh, I don't know if he listens, but shout out to Tyler. Um, when you remember the Goofy movie? Yeah. Remember Bobby from the Goofy movie, the guy with the cheese whiz? Yeah. He dressed up as him for Halloween and oh went to God. Salem. There's a video of him dressed like him, just pouring cheese whiz into some fat dude's mouth. That's fantastic. It's a, it's a fucking amazing dude. During his lunch breaks, he would often visit the shooting range, which his co-workers would mock him for doing so. It can also be assumed he has also played video games, as he has a figurine of the Heavy from Team Fortress 2 on his desk, and mentions Counter-Strike when picking up a gun. He also makes various references to Half-Life, as well as grieving over the lack of an Xbox on the island on the Keys. Two days after the infection began, he encountered the first infected in the men's restroom after trying to convince a coworker that the press was overreacting and everything was still safe. After killing the infected, he exited the restroom only to find his office in shambles, his coworkers all dead, and the outside world falling to pieces. Bill served two tours of duty in the Vietnam War, U.S. Special Forces' involvement in the war that ended in 1975. Sometime during the war, he suffered a knee injury as a result of shrapnel boring into his knee, causing permanent damage. Uh, he limps in-game. It's like a thing. Hmm. Yeah. Um, two days after the first infection, Bill was at a veteran's hospital waiting for an operation, possibly related to his knee injury. When a resident staff attempts to make small talk in regard to Bill's missing family along with his smoking habits, Bill tells him to go practice somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> as he undergoes the anesthesia, and slowly blacks out for the surgery, one of the nurses becomes an infected and kills the operating room staff. Bill somehow staves off his oncoming unconsciousness through sheer force of will as he simultaneously fights off the infected nurse, disabling her momentarily. Finding a bone saw and a knife to defend himself with, Bill fights the sudden rise of infected outside the hospital to make it back home, 
where he equips his old military clothing, which he had put away for safekeeping. So, the in the comic book part for this, it's all done in the first person. So, like, you see him trying to black out and waking back up just in first person. Like, one panel will be, like, completely black. The next one, like, will be slits. It's really fucking cool. That's dope. It's really well done. It's, like, it does a good job of giving you the anxiety of, holy shit, he is literally under anesthesia right now trying to fight zombies because Bill's a fucking badass. I, I really do adore this character. I really, really do. Okay, so now let's talk about Green Flu because it's one of the more interesting parts of Left 4 Dead's deep lore. Um, so to, to begin with that, we need to talk about how storytelling is told in Left 4 Dead and Valve games as a whole. A lot of it is done through the environment. So like in Team Fortress 2, it's done through dialogue. Like because you, you're the soldiers are not soldiers, the fighters are taunting each other. Um, in, uh, Portal, you have the dialogue with GLaDOS, but if, like, you, like, go behind the scenes, you find a bunch of shit. And this, it is in the, oh, and webcomics are big for all of these. Like, Portal had webcomics, TF2 has webcomics. Like, that's how they tell a lot of the story, but a lot of the story in-game is told by graffiti on the walls of the safe houses you go to. So if you know anything about Left 4 Dead, the goal is to go to the next safe house. And whenever you're in these safe houses, like there's graffiti written on the walls. One of the funniest ones is I miss the internet. Like it's it's there's a lot of funny ones, but there's also like them talking about what's going on in the world. So it's uh well like leaving messages for people and stuff. It's really interesting. So uh it it Sets up for an unreliable narrator, which I think is always really interesting in this medium. But the green flu is definitely a more interesting part because there's also stuff in like No Mercy Hospital. There's stuff in a bunch of stuff. So yeah, with that being said, that's where a lot of this comes from: uh, web comics and uh, assumption. So this was corroborated with a bunch of people I found online. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's dive into this. So green flu is, is the name given to an unknown virus that has caused most humans who come in contact with it to change into homicidal zombie-like beings known as the infected. It seems to be a rabies-like pathogen and CETA, which is uh, their version of uh, FEMA. Um, so, or the, or, uh, the CDA or, or the CDC, C- I mean. CDC, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, CETA is like a, a mixture of FEMA and the CDC. So CETA designated, um, CETA's designation of the virus as a form of influenza appears to be nothing more than a cover-up to avoid mass panic. Graffiti reading, not a flu, can be found throughout the franchise, meaning that the deception has failed. Promotional material from multiple sources state that the virus is a mutated strain of the rabies virus. This is like CETA posters that you'll find like on the ground in places. There's been much speculation as to the cause of the infection or whether or not it is or whether or not its origin will even have any relevance in the plot of the game. In terms of containment, the green flu is likely biohazard level four, which is like the highest you can get. In the sacrifice webcomic, 
it is explained that the immunity is passed down through the father's genes. The most common theory to explain this is that the gene that makes people resistant is a recessive allele on the X chromosome. In Zoe's case, as well as Rochelle's and any other female survivors, she must have gotten an X chromosome with the recessive gene from both her mother and her father. Zoe's mother was not resistant, meaning that she only had one X chromosome with the gene. The dominant gene on her other X chromosome would have overridden the recessive one. As explained, her father was resistant, making his death an avoidable tragedy. This would also explain why there are more male than female survivors, as a male survivor would only need one copy of the resistant gene found on his X chromosome. His Y chromosome would neither have nor need this. While any female would need two copies, one on each X chromosome. In fact, the number of immune males would be the square of the number of immune females, as per basic Punnett squares. If the sex makeup of two survivor groups is representative, then we would expect one in three males and one in nine females in the pre-outbreak population to be immune to the infection, a net 22%, approximately 1.54 billion of the population. This is only true if the immune gene occurs as much as the dominant gene without immunity. It appears that the majority of the population do not have the immunity, so it can be assumed that this gene is a rare mutation that most people do not have. Okay, that was dense. Yeah. Basically, what it says is the immunity is passed on from the father's genes, which makes it so that women are less likely to survive, uh, become a, uh, immune than males, and that roughly 22% of the, of the population should still be alive, although it seems to be less than that, so it might just be a rare mutation within this immunity. Right, and that it needs to be on the X chromosome, and since uh, females are made up of two of those, they have like a less likely chance of being immune because it needs to be on both, whereas males only have one X chromosome, so they have a higher chance of being immune. Okay. And, and this is all, le- like, legit. Like, this is in the Sacrifice webcomic. Um, so, yeah, I, first off, fuck y'all, because I've never heard a zombie virus explained like this before. Who uses Punnett Squares to explain a, a zombie virus? It's, like, Walking Dead has eight seasons and hasn't done this good. So, <laughs> I, I... I think that it's probably one of the better explanations for why some people get infected and others don't. Yeah, that's yeah, because I agree. Because then it goes into how infection works. Because in Left for Dead, infection isn't just bites. We'll talk about it. The intro movie to Left for Dead begins with the cryptic statement, two weeks after first infection, implying that a single individual was once infected with an unknown virus of some sort, and the virus spread from there. What's not immediately clear, however, is the means of spreading the infection. The infected don't seem necessarily ready to bite players as other more stereotypical zombie viruses spread, although this is most likely a gameplay limitation as bites are mentioned by several characters. Virgil states his wife was bitten shortly before meeting the survivors in Swamp Fever. The church guy mentions he was bitten and shortly thereafter turned. Furthermore, there is a dead man on the first map at the passing campaign at the second floor of the store, slouching in a chair with what seems to be a bite mark on the right side of his neck. Um, Also at the beginning of the Swamp Fever campaign, a conversation between Nick and Ellis, survivors from Left 4 Dead 2, we'll dive into them someday. 
um, is heard explaining that the pilot of the helicopter must have gotten bitten before he picked us up. Additionally, in the Sacrifice comic, Francis says that it ain't good for a man's pitching arm when a zombie's hanging off by its goddamn teeth. Other possibilities are that the infection spreads through boomer bile, like the achievement outbreak, through the spitter's spit, or through the cloud of smoke that smokers exude upon death. Throughout the series, all playable characters are aware or become aware of the fact that they are immune. During one of several possible dialogues with the church guy, Bill says, Son, we're immune, we're tired, and there's an infected in the damn woods. Now cut out this shit and let us in. Providing evidence that the survivors are immune to the infection and cannot turn into infected even if bitten. It is later revealed, however, that the survivors are not truly immune, but asymptomatic carriers, meaning that the virus resides in their bloodstream but does not cause any symptoms and are therefore able to unknowingly spread the infection. Um, so, yeah, um, they find out the carrier is not immune. Uh, they have unknowingly been spreading the infection everywhere they're going. Which is part of their plan to go to the Florida Keys. They're like, okay, let's get away from people then. Right, right. So but, they, don't, they don't spread it themselves. And they're safer there. But So, yeah, they've accidentally been spreading whoops the virus everywhere they went um typically for an infection to spread to victims wearing personal protective equipment like the ceda agent a breach incurs exposure uh, a breach incurs exposure in one of two ways and also indicates the root of infection the first breach is the most obvious which is through the suit via biting pa a parenteral transmission or needle stick accidental inoculation indicating that the green flu pathogen resides in the blood and or saliva of the infected person, a rabies-like trait. The second involves a breach in the exterior air supply to the victim, which indicates an airborne or aerosol strain of, of the virus is also at work. This was made more plausible in the Sacrifice comics, where it mentions that the virus is sometimes airborne, sometimes not. However, the suggestion is atypical of rabies and is more common in influenza strains. From evidence presented in the game, biting and fluid exchange, i.e. blood, saliva, and vomit ingestion, is the primary form of transmission. A separate airborne strain of the virus could explain the speed at which the infection occurred. If a victim is infected with both bite and airborne strains, it could also explain the fast mutation of the virus in victims and the development of the special infected. The sacrifice tells us now that despite the name and tendency to spread through bites, Green flu is not rabies or flu, but rather a new virus that mutates on a daily basis. It <laughs> low-key fucking terrifying. Low-key scared of this shit. <laughs> because uh, I firmly, because I'm a weird conspiracy person, I firmly believe that the next war will not be fought with nukes. The next war will be fought with bioterror. Probably. And if the, a virus like this could exist that is constantly mutating and decimating, that'd be fucking problematic, wouldn't it? Yes, you the couldn't, bit. You couldn't fight it. Right. Because one day, one day it's transmitted through fluid, the next day it's transmitted through the air. Like, it is like rabies and the flu mixed together, and that's awful. Yeah. The infected appear to favor the immediate death of the survivors rather than infection through biting or some other method, which might mean they display some ability to detect immunity or still have some small sense of self-preservation. It could also be that the infected have lost their traces of humanity 
and run on animal instinct. It is not explained under which factors certain victims become common infected, while others become special infected, though it is possible that there are different strands of the virus that only survive inside certain hosts. It could also depend on the mental state, habits of the host pre-infection, or temperament of the infected. However, the prospect of having multiple strains of a particular virus onset so quickly and naturally is not very plausible for today's scientific and medical standards. Evolutionary trends show it takes hundreds to thousands of years for recumbent or similar strands of particular virus to become so populous that they can be considered a complete separate strain. If, indeed, there are different strains of the virus at work, which cause the onset of special infection symptoms, then it is more likely that the virus was engineered. It should be noted that engineered is a vague explanation and can mean anything from a biological weapon to an experiment vaccination gone bad. It should also be noted that random mutations of a virus and the existence of different strains of a single virus are two separate scenarios. The idea of an engineered virus only applies to the latter. Okay, real quick, I want to sidetrack because I have a prevailing theory that um, it was caused by aliens. Um, Not that there's any evidence of aliens in the game, but I love the concept. Did you know, real quick, that the Walking Dead comic books, not the show, fuck that, that the Walking Dead comic books were how they were pitched originally? No. I feel like I've heard it before, but I don't so the a, he So obviously when you pitch it, you give like the whole plot. Yeah, yeah. He didn't know the ending, so he said that um, aliens invaded at the end. I think that it would make a great movie that if aliens made first contact with us, and because they're used to their obvious thing, uh, like um, diseases that uh, Europeans brought over to America, to the Native Americans, like smallpox and stuff. Like, imagine if these aliens made first contact with us and through them being immune to these diseases accidentally brought a zombie plague. Yeah, that'd be, that makes sense. It'd be, be I think it'd be great that there's these aliens who just want to help people. Like, they're not bad aliens, but now have to fight with people who are immune against zombies. And it's like all these aliens' fault. Yeah. I, I, I also... Really hope that whenever they do end that god awful show, that it ends with an, with aliens. God, I hope so. It, That'd I, be fantastic. It, it will. It'll take fucking balls. You gotta have balls for that. They but won't. they're not gonna do it. You gotta have balls for it. You're not gonna do it. But the original pitch for The Walking Dead has an ending with aliens invading. I'm down. I'm in. Give me aliens. I just really like alien. I, I like I said in in past episodes. Whenever we talk about zombies, I think that the next big thing is alien apocalypse. Not zombie apocalypse, we're over that. Um, I don't know what we're on now. We're on Battle Royales. <laughs> yeah, we're on Battle Royale games. I think that the next, like, kind of popular horror genre, um, I guess, I, the, I, I guess people moved from that to, like, American Horror Story, which is very uh, Americana. But I think that, like, the next, like, apocalypse scenarios will be alien apocalypse. Because so. that's fucking hard. Yeah. Like, that's scarier than zombies, in my mind, at least. So, immediately after the aforementioned intro card for the opening cutscene, Bill is seen discovering a viscous, bright green substance in, or on, it's difficult to discern, a dead and presumably infected body. He mentions that he's never seen anything like it before, but it doesn't seem to hurt him in any immediate way and neither does smearing it on Francis's vest. 
because he walks by Francis and wipes it on his vest. <laughs> this is most likely boomer bile. A boomer corpse is seen in the background if observed closely enough. The substance was said to reek, and Bill claims that the liquid was a sign that the infected were changing. While this provides no definitive explanation, it may imply that the infected are still in the process of mutating, and that, and that all the changes the virus will cause to its host is as of yet unknown. This could mean that the special infected were just starting to develop, and this was the survivor's first encounter with one, which is two weeks after the initial infected. This is backed up by how Zoe approaches what she assumes is a survivor crying, despite the obvious signs of her being a witch, implying that she had never encountered one before. However, it seems that Bill does recognize the witch, ordering Zoe to shut off her light and back away, or alternatively may have realized the witch as infected due to her being illuminated by the light. CEDA posters in the airport suggest that the infection is related to livestock, and later, towards the end of the Blood Harvest campaign, the player will encounter several diseased cows, neatly stacked on top of one another. The cows typically have the skin around their skull missing, indicating that rabies tests were performed on the animals. Cows in the barns level of Dark Carnival and in the Swamp Town level of Swamp Fever also have the skin to their heads removed, and upon seeing the dead cow pile in Swamp Town, Rochelle sometimes mentions that the news claimed that the the virus spread through livestock and believes the natives of the town, determined to survive the infection on their own, killed their own livestock to prevent an outbreak. All the dead cows might be a reference to the, a real-world mad cow disease, among all the other inspiration from the real-world diseases. There's also writing in a safe room within the No Mercy campaign, and seen before the river tour in the passing that disregards the sea the CEDA's safety step that tells survivors to treat the infection as though it were airborne. Uh, so that's what we have on Left 4 Dead and 1 and by extension, Green Flu. Uh, we are going to revisit this one again. There's a sequel and there's a lot more lore. Uh, I have another three pages of stuff that we could have gone into, but we're cutting it close for time. So we... Uh, We'll definitely revisit this one. I feel like I say that every episode lately because I just have so much content I need to dive into. But we we will. Um, as we like to end every episode, uh, Nick, what have we been playing? Actually, stop. Hammer time. Stop hammer time. Um, we're gonna dive into what we've been playing just a little bit because there's something else we want to talk about as well. Yeah. So, uh, talk to me. Uh, just playing Dark Souls a bit. I uh, beat the Gaping Dragon, which was pretty fucking easy. Oh, daddy. I, the Gaping Dragon is such a dirty name. <laughs> it really is. Uh, yeah, it was pretty easy, and then I continued to walk forward into Blight Town, died, went back to get my souls, and got pushed off the ledge. How many? And I lost uh, a little over 30k souls. <sighs> you know how many levels I could have went up with that? Do you want to know the most souls I've lost in one go? Yeah, tell me. 100,000. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at the end of the day, I don't feel that bad. Uh, no, I'm pretty upset about it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I've been playing a weird game. Yes, you have. About two years ago, a little game called No Man's Sky came out. Little it ditty. sucked. I picked it up on release, though. But it sucked. No fun. However, unlike what I expected from Hello Games, uh, they didn't just cut their, cut their losses, cash their check, and 
dip on out of there. Um, I guess the guys there are actually passionate uh, and have been consistently updating it. There was in, I think, July, we had No Man's Sky next. Yeah, something like that. Which was like a giant overhaul to the game. Um, and literally a week ago, they just did another one called The Abyss. Um, so I've been playing No Man's Sky, and it is so much better than it was on launch. It is a legitimately fun game now that I'm already pouring hours into. It's not just nothing to do on a planet. There's so much to do. Like right now I'm in the process of trying to buy a freighter so that I can get a bunch of frigates so I don't have to mine shit anymore. But like you can build houses. You There's entire underwater biomes now. There's um, a bunch more space combat. Like I said, you could buy a freighter and ship out your own ships. You could have a fleet. Yeah, uh, so I've been working on that game. Uh, I actually did encounter a game-breaking bug pretty early on. I was about two hours into it. Uh, so I restarted once, and I am over the game-breaking bug part. So it is what it is. Like, it's... If I'm fine with them in Bethesda games, I'm fine with them from an indie studio. I gotta be honest. Yeah. Uh, but while originally the project was ambitious, it still is, but at least it is improving consistently yeah that's good um i'm not telling everyone to go rush out and buy it make sure this is the game for you it's uh minecrafty there's a lot of crafting and stuff make sure this is the game for you but all the things you heard about no man's sky when it initially dropped a lot of them have been fixed so keep that in mind it's not it's had a bad launch and i can't forgive it for that but what i can appreciate is the fact they didn't give up on it and they've, they're consistently making their game better. Uh, which it was hard to make it worse, let's be honest. Yeah, honestly. It was pretty garbage. Yeah. But I'm really, really enjoying it now. If anyone wants to throw your money at No Man's Sky, I'm sure it isn't too expensive now. Yeah, I'm sure it's on discounted on sale. But the game is legitimately good now. Uh, and really, really pretty. I, the, I have a home on a planet where the grass is blue. That's awesome. It is just this blue grass planet and like the trees are like this like magenta red. And I'm just like, I'm going to put a home here. I'm going to come back. I'm going to raise a family here. Yeah. So I have like a little wooden shack on that planet. and I'm, like, I'm coming back. <laughs> this is going to be my base. But right now I'm in a planet where I just saved someone. So like a frigate or a uh, freighter. I just saved a freighter. And they're like, you can buy it off us. I was like, yes. Yes, I will. Yes, please. It's six million credits, so I'm in the process of grinding in the same galaxy so I can go buy that freighter. But um, I'll get it within the next couple days, though, so I'm not worried. But there was something else we wanted to talk about. Yeah, boy. So we are recording this as of the recording date on November 1st. Mm -hmm. And if any of you remember last week, we got the final Smash Direct from yes. Nintendo. Super Smash Bros. So let's talk, Nick. Yeah, you and I were texting a little bit earlier, but let's talk. First off, uh, anyone on the Super Smash Bros. subreddit, um, sorry that the Grinch leaks weren't real. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, on the surface, they looked legit. Nick and I have been texting about it. Once people started diving deeper and deeper, I was like, I'm not buying this anymore. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go too deep into it. I just kind of looked at the initial stuff, and I was like, yeah, this could be pretty legit. I mean, I'm not... It could still go either way, but, you know, it could be pretty legit. But the, yeah, the, um... I mean, nothing is permanent permanent, although they they did say in the trailers that the, uh... 
the characters haven't been decided yet necessarily. If you don't know what we're talking about, the Grinch leaks were this guy who had leaked supposed footage of the final roster, which included characters like Shadow as an Echo for Sonic, Mock Rider from the game Mock Rider, and Banjo Kazooie. Right. Um, yeah, the, uh, the, they've been doing like this, this big long poster yeah. of like every fighter, and every time they announce a new fighter, they like put him into the poster. So this was supposedly a leak of like the final poster of like all the characters. Um, but yeah, no, it wasn't right because we didn't get the, we got, we got the, we got one of them and we got the, we got, we did get Ken as an echo. Right. Which I just assumed. Uh, yeah. I was guessing that Ken is an, cause Ken is already an echo of Ryu. Yeah. But we did get a character that I'm going to fucking main because there's no way I'm not maining this guy. Incineroar is going to be in the new Smash Bros. Dude, that's fucking insane. I was like, all right. And then I'm watching them as they play and they literally point it out where it's like he, because he's based on pro wrestling, he taunts after every attack, but you can cancel out of it. And as you watch, like after every combo, he just looks at the screen, aka the crowd and just roars. And I'm like, I need that in my life. Yeah. I need to taunt everyone. He literally has a move where he grabs somebody and throws them at a rope and yeah, then, like, fucking yeah. clotheslines them. Yeah, he throws them, like, into the ropes, like, WWE style, then clotheslines them. And, like, I need... I'm going to main this fighter. You have no idea how hard I love this. No, I'm... Yeah. It's fucking dope. I'm glad... I'm, I was, like, really surprised. Like, I've, out of everything, I wouldn't have thought Incineroar, but, like, it fits really well and I'm into it. It's perfect for Smash Bros. He is... He's better for Smash Bros. than fucking Greninja was. Yeah. I, I think that, like, a character like Incineroar just works really well. And I found my new main. I, I, fell, I saw him instantly and fell in love. Um, we got the spirits thing? The ghosts thing? What was it called? Spirits, right? Spirits, yeah. Uh, which is kind of like stickers in the last Super Smash Bros. But, like, more. Yeah, it's kind of like a... Yeah. You like basically you, can, you basically click spirits of like non fighter Nintendo characters. Well, that's not hundred percent true either because like some spirits are like King K. Rool is still a spirit. I don't think he was. He's on the website as a spirit. Yeah, I don't. There's I thought he was shots. just using him as like a model because you the spirits power the fighters. Right. They showed that too, but they found like f like a screenshot of like King K. Rool as a spirit, hmm. which is really interesting to me. Okay. Um, well, if that's true, that's interesting. But yeah, you, you, they're like spirits. You collect Nintendo characters as spirits, and you can like fucking train them and give them up levels, and you can equip them to your fighters, and they give stat boosts and ability boosts and stuff like that. And you can have, you know, like regular spirits, and then there's like support spirits um, and stuff like that. And you can collect them by like doing like kind of like the challenges from older one from older smash bros like, yeah oh, which fight, i can't wait for fight fucking mennonite with fucking three kirby's whatever so real quick i need to pause this for a moment oh damn <laughs> well, well we'll talk about that at the end okay. but i needed to, <clears throat> to pause this just to talk about just to show you that while i do this uh, but yeah, you, you have like these new challenge modes where you can get these things to power up your play characters even more, which I feel like will make amiibos more important. Right. And you can also like, it's kind of like how you got like 
stuff for your amiibo and fed it to your amiibo to make it stronger. You can also like get items to feed to your spirits and stuff like that. And then I think in turn you can you you can discard spirits to power up amiibos, your amiibo fighters. So it's just like a lot of shit. A fucking lot of shit. Because I love how they were like, yeah, we don't have uh, trophies anymore. Like the character trophies that you can collect and look at. Yeah. They're like, yeah, that was hard to do. And I was like, this was fucking easier. <laughs> I <laughs> That's so much feel shit. like, because there's no 3D yeah, rendering. there's no modeling, yeah. It was just like, we, we this was hard, so we're going to do something else. Here's all this shit. And I was like, holy fuck. Um... Yeah, and then they, like, kind of talked about, like, then they went to, like, different menus that are in the game and stuff like that, and, like, online and how, like, online doesn't have for fun and for glory anymore. It's just kind of a rank system. Um, yeah, they, I, I they don't how, have for fun and for glory anymore. They yeah. have, like, a rank system, which I think works way better. Right. Um, you know, it's always great when they say, you should probably use a LAN connection. Yeah. Thanks, Nintendo. Thanks, Nintendo. Maybe you should put a land connection in your fucking console. Um, they were like, we're going to do stuff with the fucking app. I was like, sure. It just seems like a place where you can, like, right now it seems it's more like, of a hub. Yeah, where you can, like, post stuff, which I'm fucking down for. Yeah, I mean, Whatever. it works well in Splatoon. It works well enough in Splatoon, and that's just in the, the main place in Splatoon. Uh, and then is there anything else before uh, the big five thing? DLC characters are oh, coming? Yeah. Uh, each DLC pack is going to have a fighter, a stage, and new music that the from the game that that fighter is based on. Yep. Um, it is uh five ninety nine a person or twenty five dollars for the whole pack. Right. And uh, they announced the first DLC character. Was which... I? I don't think that was one of the five. Maybe it's not one of the five, but they announced the a DLC character. Yes. Which is maybe one of the more bizarre characters I've seen in a Smash Bros. game. Right. It was the piranha plant. Yep. Like, in in a little bowl. It's in a little pot. It's in a little pot. And then you just fight. And I'm fucking... I was like, my jaw was like on the fucking floor the entire time. It's I was like, the, is this fucking happening? It's the weirdest character since Rob, I think. Yeah. It's definitely a weird one. I'm looking forward to it. It's I never think that this game doesn't have. I, I never underestimate any character in these games because Nick kicks my ass as uh, the villager all the time, and I used to main Olimar. So like you, you don't underestimate anyone in this games. But the uh, it's definitely a weird pick, and definitely when people are yelling Waluigi, it's a weird pick. Right. <laughs> um. But okay. Uh, they also have the story mode. I know. I'm so happy there's a story so, mode. So, um, this game has a story mode. It's called, uh, oh, what the fuck is it called? Fucking something light. Light World? I think it's called Light World. Yeah, I, th I believe it's called Light World. I'm on the subreddit right now. Because that's where I watched it. Yeah, oh, okay, it's called World of Light. Okay. Um... They released a cinematic trailer for it that looks gorgeous and is fully voice acted. Yeah. Which is great. Um, I, I know it's called World of Light. I like to call it Kirby Saves the World. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> fucking I love Kirby and he's just fucking going to save the day. Yeah. So, uh, but it, it is really weird. Like, and, and like there's weird character interactions. So like when Sonic's running away, he like reaches back for Pikachu as Pikachu gets wrecked. Yeah. The like, fucking... 
they all get Thanos snapped as they, fucking they, everybody on they the get, internet is saying. Yeah, they um, I, one of the videos I was just watching was called Super Smash Bros. Infinity War. <laughs> it, it's essentially Thanos snapped. Um, well, I, I, my favorite was like, well, so like it begins with who who's talks at the beginning? I don't know. Marth? No, no, Fox is at the very beginning. Fox, it's Fox. Fox points his gun and says something. Yeah, it shows like it starts we- with a close up on Fox's gun, and he's like on a ledge. Weird like- thing to bring up: no Mario really in that one. Right. Like it was all other characters. Just saying. So they're on like a cliff, like from Brawl. Yeah. Yeah, the cliff from Brawl. It, it's much. the same scene as the one from Brawl, with the sunset over the ocean on the cliff. Right. Uh. So. Zooms in on it's zooming on his gun. It pulls out, and he's like, he's like, something about don't missing your shot. Yeah, and like you see, like all the fighters, you see lined the roster up, lined up behind him, and then you look up, and it pans to the sky, and there's just a million master hands coming down. And this weird thing. So, I picked up on this. I don't know if other people did, and it's because I'm weird. It the thing that is unnamed. Yep. That shoots all the lights out of it. Yep. Looks. Like a seraphim? Seraphim are the angels that are supposed to surround the throne of God, and their description is just many wings covering itself. Mm-hmm. And But like the general artist's description, they're all going the same direction and everything, but it's all wings. It looks a lot like a seraphim, and I don't know why. I don't know if anyone else picked up on that. Maybe it's my weird occult knowledge, my weird Probably. like Christian occult knowledge, but it... There's no way that wasn't an inspiration. That oh, wasn't no, it probably was that then. wasn't coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It probably was. But yeah. yeah, just a billion bastard hands. I was like, what the fuck? And then it like shoots beams and like. Fucking... Oh, and then like Marth and Peach are talking, and Marth's like, "We're gonna have to take out ten each." And Peach is like, "We got this." <laughs> yeah, and like... then like fucking Shulk uses his like thing where he can see into the future like briefly and like sees everybody get obliterated and then like turns around to like warn them and then like the beam shoot off and then they all get obliterated and then they all get obliterated and then you just see my boy fucking racing on his warp star and he gets a fucking yeah, way Kirby gets away on the warp star because he's he's the best he's, he's the Kirby. best boy he, he was he was the same way in brawl though for <laughs> Kirby is just it's exists to survive it's because uh what's his face made Kirby yeah it's because he loves it's Kirby. It's because Sakurai made Kirby. Yeah. I need to mention a couple things. Um, Seneca never left his box. I fucking <laughs> died. You just see everybody getting like, you know, you see Sonic running away. You see like, you know, people trying to use their counters. Like Palutena tries to use like her. her yeah, Lucario her like reflect. does his teleport and then gets obliterated. Yeah. And then you just see a box. You just see a cardboard box and, and it just gets blown the fuck away. And then I, my heart. When the the inklings see it, there's oh, like yeah. ink all over the ground. They jump into it, and then the ground gets obliterated. I was just like, but they made the woo me first. I was just like, oh man, those are my boys, my squids, my squid boys. But uh, yeah, it looks interesting. It looks very brawl esque. I'm glad that they're bringing back a story mode. Yeah, I'm super hyped. I I can't wait. Um, the thing that I want to talk about real quick about Incineroar. <laughs> Um, so the Incineroar may be a Pokemon, uh, so he's not going to say a lot, but Incineroar is voice acted by someone and the voice actor for Incineroar is, uh, Ushno Ishuzaki, who passed away in August. Uh, if you don't know who that is, he's the, uh, voice actor for Professor Oak as well. Uh, he passed away in August, and he, Incineroar, uh, 
was already had his voice lines done by then. So he's going to be fully voiced by uh, an incredible voice actor who touched all our childhoods. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, um, I need Incineroar <sighs> in my life. Dude, I just need this game in my life. I'm so fucking ready. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait. Um, I, I swear to God, I'm maining that fucking John Cena cat and you can't <laughs> stop me. <laughs> <laughs> can't fucking stop me. Uh, in Dungeons and Dragons Corner, we did a one-off. Yeah, for ha- um, Halloween. Again, we are recording this on November 1st, which means that we played D&D yesterday on October 31st. So we did a Halloween one-off. That was a... I'd been working on one, but I found one that made me laugh more than the one that I was working on, and it wasn't done nearly as done as I preferred it to be. We could have run it, but it, I wasn't happy with it, which is why I spend so much time working on my own campaigns. I'm just like, I need to be happy with it. So um, we, we ran one that had to do with uh, gourds. <laughs> so um, many gourd parts. So a lot of people played, uh, two of our party played characters from their other campaign. Uh, Bro played a cleric dwarf that he'd worked on before, and you pissed me off. Yeah, I just rolled a completely new character. You rolled a completely new character. You were a, what were you? I was a warforged bard. Uh, specifically an envoy bard. You know anything about envoys, that means you can integrate tools. You can integrate t- any tool that you're proficient with into your body, and being a bard, you're proficient with every instrument. Yep. So I integrated a goddamn organ. <laughs> so when I... Tell me your description... Well, let's get to that. Okay. So we, um... They went around the town. Uh, they, I mean, it was obviously like the, t- the town made a deal with a demon. Yeah. Um... Uh, and uh, you fought a bunch for, for crops for for good crops that were all uh, pumpkin based. So you killed a bunch of cursed pumpkins, um, and then Gordkin showed up. <laughs> Wait, we skipped over a, a major part. Oh right! So before the the festival was about to start, fuck you guys. The <laughs> festival was about to start, and they were trying to get into the barn to see what was in the barn that was guarded by two guards. And so what did you guys do? Uh, me and bro, me and bro uh, seduced the guards. Or tried to seduce the guards and, like, take them away and uh, slept with them so the barn was unguarded and we could look inside. And obviously, because I'm me, I made them roll performance. And yeah, we rolled performance, we rolled constitution, constitution and they rolled I think charisma? I, rolled, I think I rolled con on them, too. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, no, it was like, it was like charisma or something like that. It wasn't yeah. con. Yeah, it was. Um, so because I'm gonna make this as interactive as a PG-13 game can be. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, our games aren't really PG-13, but they're not really graphic. So I, um, yeah, they, uh, they slept with the guards. Um, bro did a lot better than you did. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, they then go fight, uh, a bunch of demonic little pumpkins, uh, and then Gordkin was summoned. Um, Gordkin ate the ranger. (laughs) Um, you, so, so tell me your setup for your organ that you integrated. So I was, uh, trying to cast a spell. I was trying to cast. Uh, Phantasmal Force, 
Yeah. On it. Um, so when it succeeded, I cast it through music. So I cast it through the organ. So I described it as the organ pipes uh, come out of my back like spikes. Um, and I start moving my fingers as I'm playing an organ, but there's nothing actually there. But sound continues to come out of the of me like I'm actually playing something. And then I cast the spell. Um, so I cast, I create an illusion inside the enemy's mind, and I created a giant rabbit because this is a giant vegetable. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> and it worked. Oh, and then, bro, also, I made you, I let you guys all roll with advantage for a while because we were just doing things. You were doing ridiculous things, but I think. On, besides what we said, <laughs> Bros was pretty fucking funny. Oh, yeah. So, Bro was playing a cleric, and one of his cantrips was, was Thaumaturgy. Now, this thing's it, it's a large creature. So, he goes, wait, I have Thaumaturgy, right? He's like, yeah. He goes, can I open the window on its head? Just repeatedly, like, on well, and... Well, because, no, at first he was like, can I open, like, a second floor window to hit it in the head as it walks by? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, sure. And then, like, we somehow found out that it's just doing it repeatedly, and then we all fucking started dying because this thing is just standing there getting hit over and over again with a window. Because it lasts for a minute, so he's just getting whacked in the head over and over again with a window. And I was just like, oh, this is awesome. You all roll with advantage because he's getting annoyed at this window. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really fun campaign. Um, we, we had a lot of fun. Uh, it was a, it was a, I think it was a good Halloween. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed one-offs are really fun because you can you just kind of let loose. Yeah, you just you're do not whatever. falling into a character you know. You're just playing a character. Right. That's why I wanted. That's why I like, like last minute scrambled to make a new character because I was like, oh, we're doing a one-off. Like I want to do something. I want to play somebody new. I want to play someone new and something a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. Fucking Warforged Bard. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I honestly would have been not a. What would I have been if I were to do a one-off right now? I'd probably be like a lizard folk bard because lizard folk or like a Kenku bard where he's just like repeating other people's songs. I think I thought of that. I think (laughs) I think that I was I originally thought of a Kenku bard. Um, I feel like Kenkus are great for one offs because I feel like in the long run, they'd be pretty fucking annoying. Yeah. Uh, But then I was like, nah, Warforged bard. Yeah, it's one offs are a lot of fun. I, I really like doing them. I don't like doing them too much because too much of a good thing you can get sick but for holidays they work really well yeah um now i have a, like a couple months or a little over a um a little less than two months to work on our christmas one which i have plans for it because uh, i have stats for santa claus fuck yeah i have stats for santa claus and i have stats for other things so yeah i plan on doing a kind of a Christmas one off at some point, but yeah, it, it should be fun. By that point, we'll be deep into Waterdeep. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'd be surprised if we weren't on the Mad Mage by that point. So, okay. um, so yeah, it, it should be. <laughs> it's definitely a thing. Check us out on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at Navi underscore Tales. Again, at Navi underscore Tales. Send us pictures of your Smash mains. Um. Until next time, we'll see you then. See you. Love you. Oh, we're back on quotes. Oh, fuck off. Never mind. We're not back on quotes. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you and your quotes. The your quotes. No, them. Yeah, well, they're not even mine. Let me know when you're ready. Um. Please stop fapping. <sighs> <clears throat> I'm gonna pray.
I'm gonna pray. Oh, pray. <laughs> so while I pull this up, so I got an email today from Nintendo. And they were right. like, they're like, oh, happy birthday. We'll give you, uh, give you some stuff. I was like, oh, okay, what do you got? And then, you know, there's some bullshit like, oh, here's some wallpapers. I was like, okay, there's one that looks cool. It's like the picture of the, the Master Sword from Breath of the Wild in the pedestal. But like, you can get them free on and, and anywhere. <clears throat> right. Um, and there was like a Kirby one that wasn't that cool looking. I think there was a Splatoon one that wasn't that cool looking. I've seen the Splat one. And there's uh, there's a Odyssey one of Mario and Paulina. Um, there was that, and then it was like, <clears throat> here's a thirty percent off a digital purchase. I was like, okay, that's, that's fucking dope. That's fucking dope. Read a bit more. Got to use it this month. Okay, okay, I got to use it this month. Read a bit more. Select titles. All right. Select titles, 3DS and Wii U. Okay. And the selection was fucking shit. 3DS and Wii U. Oh, so all those things I don't play. Those things I don't play I feel anymore. like my Nintendo <clears throat> should probably update. Yeah, I, it pisses me off that they don't have rewards for Switch at all. They still just the give out... The first thing I've heard at all to do with rewards on my Switch is what we're going to talk about later. <clears throat> right. <clears throat> And even that, low-key, I can't get into my email that I originally signed up for my My Nintendo on. Um, so you're fucked. I'm so fucked. I gotta buy that stupid DLC character. But whatever. It is what it is. Unless I, like, set up a separate account, register it to that, but, like, it's still gonna be a pain in the ass. Upon arrival, the group is shocked to see that, uh, that in... Mm, two weeks after the start of the epidemic, four immune individuals who survived the outbreak, Zoe... Francis, Lewis, and Bill make their. I'm gonna fucking burp. <clears throat> if I could go back and remake myself, I wouldn't worry about like the weight thing. I wouldn't worry about like the the bad skin. I'd get rid of the gastrointestinal issues. I'd definitely make this podcast easier. I would definitely make pooping easier. <laughs> um, fighting their way through the city streets, subways, and sewers. That's a lot of S's. The survivors, there's more S's. <laughs> the runway, however, is largely... Mm. Words are so hard all the time. Why do we have words? Despite this apparent rescue, the survivors once again find themselves alone on the outskirts of Algeny? 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 That's how I've always pronounced it. Okay. <clears throat> And I'm pretty sure they get into a fight over how it's pronounced in the game. Fantastic. I... Fuck, I have to sneeze. Do it into the mic. I fucking plan on sneeze it. Sneeze into the mic. Get your germs all over your mic. Let our audience know what your sneezes sound like. Some sneezing ASMR. Achoo. It's like, I know I'm going to because I can fucking have a tickle. Yeah, I'm gonna sneeze too. At you. The train then stops in Ranford. <clears throat> Drayford. Yeah, I know. Damn it! Get you, damn it! Get you, fucking George is right. These actions cause tension between her pair. Uh, mm. Mm. These actions cause tension between her divorced parents. Same. <laughs> Ooh. My parents are lovingly married. <clears throat> <laughs> That's just 
Oh, Nick, oh, do you need a hug? Fuck. Maybe. <laughs> when one of his Francis and Sandra begin kissing in the back room when things... I... <laughs> That's not at all what that said, but... Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed where that sentence was going, and it's not where it was going. Oh. <laughs> Did you just get too lazy to read? Yeah, <laughs> I just started making up my own. If you know anything about Left 4 Dead, the goal is to go to the next safe house. Fuck! <laughs> yeah, so CETA is like a mixture of FEMA and the CDC. I say it's like, hit my fucking arm again. Before the... You don't like me hitting the table? Fuck you. All right.